Welcome to Take This Poem Podcast, where we explore the rich, wild things that good poems can do in the everyday lives of ordinary folks. I'm your host, Mary Guidis. Whether you're a longtime poetry lover like I am, or just barely interested, I invite you to take this poem. I hope it amends the soil of your life. Hello, my dears. This is another installment of my Christmas break poetry folder clean out where I bring you ragged well-loved photocopies from random books that I don't own but poems I just couldn't handle not having in my home with me to go read and look at when I needed them. I mentioned recently when I talked about Morris Manning that I would bring you a Linda Beard's poem and I have one today. It's from her book, First Hand. She writes a lot of historically based poems, often about artists, brilliant artists, um, inventors, moments of discovery and inspiration. It's thrilling. She is one of those poems, poets that I've been completely obsessed with at times. I remember once staying up way later than I should have rereading a book of hers over and over, just feeling like I was going to explode with the flame of the inspiration. It's like she was bringing it to me back through time to me on my couch, these brilliant minds at the moment of discovery. She's so fascinating to me because she never, okay, I can remember maybe two times in a poem, extremely rare for her to ever use to talk about herself at all. For there to be an I, for there to be anything personal, any me, no, this isn't about her. She's applying what I think is just dazzling, poetic and artistic brilliance, not to herself, not to what she sees around her in her actual immediate world, but to people in another time and what was in their minds. It's crazy. For me, this is crazy. This isn't easy to read aloud either. Um, I did in episode 48 read to you her poem, Clips and Stallions, about the life-saving horses that swam out into the sea to save shipwrecked people. That one is probably the most read aloudable of hers. Um, it'd be easier with your eyes. But have you bought a Linda Beard's poem book yet and read it? I don't think so. So that's why you need me to read to you. I don't want you to go another day without hearing this poem. The artist she has turned her mind to in this poem is Gian Lorenzo Bernini, the sculptor. I'm going to just read it. I feel myself about to talk too much about Bernini, and I think I should read it first and let you um, experience it cold and then I'll talk about it. This poem is almost two pages. This isn't short, but I'm gonna go for it. What, what better thing do we have to do? Hmm? Email me if you have an answer to that question. This poem is called Stroke by Linda Beards. <clears throat> to stroke from stone the hovering bee to release from marble its white thorax. The hand must turn back on itself, palm up, 
fingers curved with the gesture of skipping stones over water. And to sculpt the wings, the hand must arc downward, fingers stiff with the gesture of rubbing grief from the brow. And so, Gian Lorenzo Bernini learned, carving bees for the Pope's family shield, for the churches and Roman fountains, palm up in the workshop, palm up in the world, fingers stiff on the chisel and brow, hand curved to the hammer, hand curved to the wine glass, palms pressed for the wafer, palm up for the thorax, the coin, for the quick rains that washed from his skin the decades of white dust. To free St. Teresa to her ecstasy, or Daphne to her leafed future, the hand must first know the promise of wax, or graphite, or the tepid flesh of clay. The hand must first know the model. These are the angles, Bernini said, for the animate, human form, acute, obtuse, salient, re-entering. Hour by passing hour, his room filled with stone chips and ciphers, the metallic scent of mathematics. Now and then a brief snow tempered his marble horses. Now and then migraine headaches made lace of his world. These are the compasses, slipped from their soft pouches, and these the reflex angles of the pivoting leg when the hand, circling, turns back on itself. To curry from stone the texture of silk or feathers or the fluid parchment of bee wings, the hand must pursue the source, must open to fullness the brief wing or the downward slope of the lover's robe so that stone might turn back on itself, might climb through the strata of bedrock and centuries to echo the living, just as the living climb down into stone. These are the hand strokes, Bernini said, frontal, a lee, emergent, re-entering. For the climbing, shapes to their shaped reversals, as two days from his death, Shapes would climb through his right arm, through the long wick of his nerves, little sparks, little Janus flames, lighting their own departure. And then a thrum, he said, all through the flesh, that thrum, bees, white bees. Now do you see why this poem is called Stroke? This is about the stroke not just the stroke of hand on stone, but the stroke that killed Bernini. Okay. I wonder if you should put, push pause and look at some sculptures by Bernini. I, one of the reasons that I love this poem, other than how unbelievably rad it is, which I, help, I, I hope I can somewhat help you understand if I give you enough time to uh, process, is I have a major artist... Um, trying to think of a word other than crush one that sounds a little bit more um, mature but I think it's just a crush I mean I he his art is literally unbelievable I look at it I've seen very little Bernini in person I think a couple things when I was in Europe but I cannot believe I am not looking at flesh 
over muscle and bones when I look at his sculptures. How can that be marble? I love, if you want to see one that does feature bees, I really um, like slash uh, drool over his Triton fountain. Um, that one has bees carved along the basis. I can picture it in my head, these big bees that surround the base of the fountain. Um, and on top is King Triton. And I mean, look at his body. Just look. It's almost more alive and more full of flesh than a real, real body. It's amazing. So I think part of what she helps capture the incredibleness of that in a few ways. He's using his hands. Okay, he, we all have hands. We have the same hands Bernini had. And here, it seems like this might be records from his journals or maybe a speech he gave or something. He tries to lay out the different strokes and the different angles that he's learned to use to create these sculptures from materials that anyone with enough money can get their hands on and with tools that anyone can get into their hands. But with it, he was able to work frickin' magic in stone. Have you ever looked at, um, oh, the abduction of Persephone or Prosepine or however it's translated? The close-up of, and I mean, it is sad to be watching a woman be abducted for um, unsavory purposes, but the, the part of that sculpture where his, who is it? I can't remember who's abducting her. I used to know. His hand is digging into the flesh on her side or her hip it's it's amazing just go look at it even her little bony ankles in that one I remember feeling like there are bones beneath this marble um it's so perfect okay so he had we all have access to the tools he had and the body parts that he had and it's like there's this crazy description here of him trying to tell what he did and that the movements are much like the movements used to do other things. She lists here to receive the wafer in church with your palms up, to wipe grief, grief from somebody's brow with your hand, to skip a stone on the water. All of these movements of the hands are the ones he used to make these sculptures. Um, I love the whiteness in here, the white dust, the white marble the snow, and then toward the end, the white light and shapes and buzzing that skittered through his nerves and brain when he had the stroke. All that whiteness blending together. There's there's just something so mystical in that, so good. Um, and then I like the mix too here of the technical and the sensual, even the hard and the soft. So there's lists. I mean, I'm reading to you lists of different kinds of angle and I'm describing, you're having to listen to me describe in detail the curve of a hand forward and backward. These things are not what I might think of as being the stuff of poetry. They're technical, but mixed in with the spiritual of the sacraments. Um, the snow, the natural of the snow, 
the little body parts of the bees. I talked about this when I read um, Leanne Orsung's poem to you, Irene Lorsung's poem a while back. That feeling of creating something, a model of something living in your hands. And that's what he's doing, carving the thorax, carving the bees. It almost feels like a, a godlike activity, a made in God's image sort of activity to create the form of something living beneath your hands. Can't breathe life into it like God does, but that shaping, carving and shaping. And oh, with that, there's so many parts where like, there, he says it, these are the compasses slipped from their soft pouches, and these are reflex angles of their pivoting leg when the hand circling turns back on itself. Okay, so when I look at the sculptures, it's made of hard, cold stone, and I see flesh and bones and muscle and fat and just juicy bodiliness. Okay, those things come together, the unliving stone and the body. And I think that's what makes it a little bit mind-blowing. I think she's doing that here. She's talking about the compass, but then it's in a soft pouch. And then angles, but the leg and the hand, those body parts. And I know it's the leg of the compass, which isn't a real leg, but she's mixing those things together. So you're getting the hard technical tool and the softness of the body in the same sentences at the same time. I, it just builds to such a stunning ending, in my opinion. You know what? I think the best use of my time is to read this again. The best use of your time is to close your eyes and listen really carefully and then go ogle some Bernini sculptures and try not to drool. They're pretty yummy. This is Stroke by Linda Beards. Linda, I hope I can meet you someday. <laughs> Maybe I'll send you this episode. No, that'd be embarrassing. I need to try to play it cool. Try to pretend to be like a really, you know, civilized and elegant person if I'm ever going to meet her. This is her poem, Stroke. To stroke from stone the hovering bee. To release from marble its white thorax. The hand must turn back on itself, palm up, fingers curved, with the gesture of skipping stones over water. And to sculpt the wings, the hand must arc downward, fingers stiff, with the gesture of rubbing grief from the brow. And so, Gian Lorenzo Bernini learned, carving bees for the Pope's family shield, and for the churches and Roman fountains, Palm up in the workshop, palm up in the world. Finger stiff on the chisel and brow, hand curved to the hammer, hand curved to the wine glass. Palms pressed for the wafer, palm up for the thorax, the coin for the quick rains that washed from his skin the decades of white dust. To free St. Teresa to her ecstasy, or Daphne to her leafed future, the hand must know first the promise of wax, or graphite, or the tepid flesh of clay. The hand must know first the model. These are the angles, Bernini said, for the animate, human form, acute, obtuse, salient, re-entering. 
hour by passing hour, his room filled with stone chips and ciphers, the metallic scent of mathematics. Now and then, a brief snow tempered his marble horses. Now and then, migraine headaches made lace of his world. These are the compasses slipped from their soft pouches, and these the reflex angles of their pivoting leg when the hand, circling, turns back on itself. To curry from stone the texture of silk or feathers or the fluid parchment of bee wings, the hand must pursue the source, must open to fullness the brief wing, or the downward slope of the lover's robe, so that stone might turn back on itself, might climb through the strata of bedrock and centuries to echo the living, just as the living climb down into stone. These are the hand strokes, Bernini said, frontal, Ali, emergent, re-entering. For the climbing, shapes to their shaped reversals as, two days from his death, Shapes would climb through his right arm, through the long wick of his nerves, little sparks, little Janus flames, lighting their own departure. Then a thrum, he said, all through the flesh that thrum. Bees, white bees. <laughs>